0: Boston Confidential, Towns, true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the dark side of the Athens of America, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. I just wanted to take an opportunity to say thank you to Podcorn, one of this week's sponsors. Podcorn is a marketplace for podcasters and advertisers. I use it, and it couldn't be easier and that's what you're looking for as a podcaster. You've got enough going on. Let the advertisers chase you. The ease of use of this program is astounding. Basically, you just follow the prompts on the website, and you submit applications to advertisers. They hire you, and once you do the spot on your podcast, the money is deposited right into your account electronically. It's just a seamless flow. Ease of use is paramount with this company. Give them a try. You're going to love it. Podcorn. All right, guys, let's get to it. Just some housekeeping stuff going forward. I mentioned during our last podcast about Philip Markoff, this Craigslist killer, and his fiance Megan McAllister. And I stated that I didn't know what happened to her, and I had gotten some emails on the subject, so I did some more research. At the time of the killing, the Craigslist killing, where Philip Markoff killed Julissa Brisman and robbed two other women. Philip Markoff was in medical school at Boston University, and Megan McAllister was waiting for the next session to go to school, but she was going to go to medical school in the Caribbean. But all this blew up on Megan, who I do believe knew nothing about Philip's nefarious activities. But I did some research. She completed medical school in the Caribbean and is a licensed physician in the greater Chicago area and in California. So she did suffer from this, but she bounced back and finished medical school. So good for Megan. I hope she goes on to a great life. The second item I wanted to touch base on is an error I made. And it's one of those errors that you had been making it for years and years and years. And when you're confronted with the truth, it's just difficult to believe. It's not a super big deal, but I did want to apologize because it has something to do with one of our cases. And the case was Katrina Homer, the Swedish nanny who was murdered in Boston in the mid-90s. The only thing is, her name is not Katrina. I've been calling her Katrina since this happened. Her name is Karina, Karina Homer, not Katrina I got several emails on this pointing that out. I apologize. And it's one of those mistakes. When I actually saw it in print, I was still actually seeing the name Katrina. I had to blink it away. But her real name is Karina, Karina Homer. And I apologize. Sorry about that, guys. And if you ever hear of any other mistakes I make on the podcast, get with me on Bostonconfidential.net, Confidential.net. Barry at Boston And we can go back and forth on it. All right, guys, let's get to it. Let's have a great 2021. But the case we're going over today is the Bella Bond case. And you'll remember it as we go through it. But Bella was found floating off of Deer Island. And it's a heartbreaking case. And I'm going to take you through it from beginning to end. So let's get to it. All right, guys, we don't have to jump into the Wayback Machine today. This case happened in 2015, so, I don't know, five and a half years ago, but it was June 25th, 2015, a woman walking her dog on Deer Island in Boston. Her dogs came across a bag that was washed up on the shore. She was walking on the waterline, and she discovered this bag, and the dogs were sniffing at it. She looked at it more closely and it was the body of an infant. She immediately called the police and the police swarmed the area. And this was just the beginning. This case had tremendous media coverage. I know if you're listening to this today, you probably remember it. So they estimated that the age of this baby was between age two and age four. She was wearing white leggings with black polka dots. It was also a Zebra print blanket placed into these bags with her. And as the investigation progressed a little bit, an autopsy revealed that she had died within days of being placed into the water. They didn't know if she was placed into that exact position on Deer Island. And I guess I should give you a little bit of background on Deer Island. Deer Island is actually part of East Boston, I believe, or Winthrop, I'm not entirely sure but it is out in the Boston Harbor, and that's where Boston's wastewater treatment facility is. It's a huge plant, but it's actually a beautiful island. As all of the Boston Harbor Islands are, they're very beautiful. If you've ever gotten out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there was also a prison on Deer Island for many years, pretty infamous. I actually believe that was where Mark Wahlberg did some time before he straightened his life out. Deer Island Prison closed in 1991 and it was soon replaced by this massive wastewater treatment facility we have out there. So the media attention on this case was just crazy. And I guess I would relate it to, you know, something that came after maybe the Casey Anthony case. Everybody wanted to know who this baby was, who killed her, and where she came from. So the investigation ramps up pretty quickly. The state police set up a hotline, a tip line, and things start progressing. They start to do some research on where that clothing was sold and everything else. They also did some pretty interesting work with testing the hair on Bella, and those tests came back that she had spent quite a bit of time in her short life in the Boston area because there was elements of pine. In soot in her system somehow, and they trace that back to living in the New England region somehow. It's amazing. But the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did some excellent work on this. Their first step in that was they were going to do a recreation of Bella's face using clay. You've probably seen it on crime shows, but that wasn't working too well, so they used the new technology developed by Adobe Photoshop, and they kind of layered Adobe Photoshop over Bella's real face. And I have to tell you, the results were amazing. What they developed looked just like Bella. And most people actually thought this was an actual photo of the girl. And the girl at this time was unnamed. We still don't know what her name was, but they did a tremendous job with that. One of the strange things about the autopsy, though, they did not come up with an actual cause of death. All of these mysteries drew the public in even more, and at the tip line started to bear fruit. It took some time, but it definitely started to bear fruit. And In the meantime, John Walsh of America's Most Wanted was interviewed on CNN by Anderson Cooper, so this case was now getting some national traction, and things were starting to happen. So investigators worked this case exhaustively. The police did a good job in this case, and the child was ultimately... Identified on September 18th. So, about three months after she was found, she was identified September 18th, 2015. And she was identified as Bella Noveya Amoroso Bond. And she lived in Dorchester with her mother and her live in boyfriend. I should probably take this opportunity to provide a warning. What's going to come next is some graphic information involving a child. And if you can't handle that type of episode, this may not be the one for you. So please be advised. So this beautiful baby was identified as Bella Bond, living in Dorchester with Michael McCarthy, a living boyfriend of her mother. And the mother's name was Rachel D. Bond. And now the police have an avenue and they exploit it very well. They begin interviewing these two jamokes, and pretty quickly they ascertain that, yes, Bella did live here, and now she's gone. They don't have a concrete story as to what happened to her. So this identification was made possible by the efforts of some people, mostly not connected to the family. The person that dropped this dime on the Bonds was the sister of one of Rachel Bonds' neighbors, So one of the neighbor's sisters sees that the police are looking for this little girl. She sees the photo, looks just like her. They confront the bonds on this. And McCarthy tells the neighbor or the neighbor's sister that the child had been taken away by the Department of Children and Families. And this would have rang true because... Rachel Bond's other two children had previously been taken because she was an active and massive drug addict. I know you're shocked. So, the lie about the Department of Children and Families, you know, McCarthy thought that would go over well because all the other kids have been taken by Department of Children and Families as well. This person who dropped a dime did God's work and she became suspicious before she actually saw the picture. Because they were throwing away the girls' toys and just throwing them in the trash, so they wondered what had happened. You know, if they're going to the DCF Department of Children and Families, they'd likely be coming back, but they'd throw out all the toys. And when I tell you that Bella Bond match what the National Center for Missing Children had produced, man, it was an exact replica of Bella, beautiful little Bella and now people are going to get ready to pay the price. And so the media attention actually increased from where it was because now the investigation's rolling, and now you have more people coming forward, and some members of the Bond family. I don't know where they were during all of this because this photograph was on every nightly newscast. Clear Channel donated billboards. The picture of this baby was everywhere in New England, and it's just so hard for me to see that the Bond family, the extended family, babysitters, whomever, didn't put two and two together. Maybe they didn't want to, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the suspects right now. So the first person we have to talk about is the mom, if you can call her that. Her name is Rachel Bond. She was 40 at the time that that Bella was murdered. And she was a lifelong, habitual, heavy drug user. And Two other children had been removed from her custody because she abused them. So I don't know how DCF takes these first two children for their safety away from their mother, Rachel Bond, and then Rachel naturally turns up pregnant right afterwards. And so what is the DCF involvement here? Shouldn't that child have been taken as well? Shouldn't the case have already been opened on this family? Man, it's just the hodgepodge of craziness with these agencies. It seems their mandate is to always reunite the family, and I don't think that's the best way to go. She's so abusive. She had to have two of her kids taken away, and then you give her the third one, and now that kid's dead. Does that make sense to anybody? The police reviewed Rachel Bond's interactions with DCF. And even after the first two children were taken from her, when she had Bella, there was at least four separate encounters the police had with her for abusing this kid. So when Bella's family was interviewed, they interviewed Rachel Bond's sister, so Bella's aunt. Bella's aunt said, no, she never knew that this was Bella Bond on these billboards all over the place, and a maternal grandmother, Rachel Bond's mother, I'm assuming, said she never knew the baby had been born. The baby was two years old. So what you're dealing with here is people at the bottom level of society. I'm sure we all know people like this. They, they're they the ones who have kid after kid, and everybody just shakes their head. They can't even take care of the children they have, and now they're having more. And with birth control so readily available, I'm just vexed by it. So basically, this was just a cornucopia of dysfunction. So the mother had a relatively extensive criminal record, the type of criminal record that drug addicts get, you know, breaking and entering. She had several prostitution arrests and all that. So they're just knocking on the door of the bottom level of society, and they never are able to get off of drugs and really get out of their own way. So naturally, there's a live-in boyfriend, and his name was Michael McCarthy, and he appeared to be a little younger than Rachel, but I'm not entirely sure. Same type of thing. Lifelong drug addict, abusive, series of arrests, can't get out of his own way, is not really interested in doing so. But it was also said that Michael McCarthy at that time was a massive heroin addict. And by the looks of him, if you see him in court at that time, you can see this a mile away. He's a massive junkie. I don't like to use that word for people with substance abuse problems, but this kid was a stone junkie. And I'm afraid so was the mother Rachel. And it was horrific. I don't know what do you do about these people. You can see these tragedies coming a mile away, right? Alcohol, drugs, abuse. Yet, here we are, doing it all over again. I don't know what the solutions are, but whatever it is, it is not what we're doing right now. So the investigation of these two Jamoaks ramps up pretty quickly. And pretty soon after this, they offer Rachel Bond a deal. And they want her to testify against Michael McCarthy. In her interview, she stated that Michael had punched the baby multiple times in the stomach. And the baby then went to sleep in her own room. There was an ongoing issue about bedtime. How about that? Imagine that, a two-year-old with an issue about going to bed. And this guy has to punch her in the stomach, a grown man. So the Commonwealth of Massachusetts needs somebody to pay for this crime, right? Because it's all over the news and it's horrendous. And if it goes south, it's going to look really bad for the Commonwealth. So they offer Rachel Bond a deal. The deal the Commonwealth of Massachusetts offered this horrendous mother to get her to testify, I know they needed testimony in this case, was just so inadequate. She was going to be offered time served. They were anticipating the trials to begin a year after this, so she would serve the year in prison, get the junk out of her system, I guess. Then she'd have a couple years of probation, so basically a slap on the wrist, but they did need her to testify against Michael McCarthy. The problem with Michael McCarthy's trial was that the coroner stated that there was no abuse to her torso or stomach. The story the Commonwealth was going with was that McCarthy and Rachel was sleeping in one room, and he goes in and hits the baby, punches her multiple times in the stomach. The coroner says that didn't happen, and he goes on to say they have no real cause of death, but they know the striking in the stomach didn't happen. So the prosecutors must have been nervous on this one, I'm sure. What I think really happened in that household is they both abused Bella, mother and Michael McCarthy, whatever he was to her. They were abusive to her. There was some allegations or background information on McCarthy that he was into the dark arts, uh, Satanism, all that BS. But I think he was really just a raging junkie. And she went along with everything. I think she was abusive. She may have killed this child. Nobody really knows. But the Commonwealth had to put Somebody in prison, and it was going to be Michael McCarthy. So, Rachel was ultimately charged with accessory after the fact of murder. She was also charged with larceny, and that larceny had to do with the welfare checks meant for Bella's usage. She continued to cash those checks, I know, big surprise, and then use the money for herself. So, that was part of her charging document. But she wasn't going to do much time, and they really just wanted her testimony. Michael McCarthy was charged with first-degree murder, and the judge allowed the jurors to consider second-degree murder, and he was going to allow them to consider voluntary manslaughter. But Michael McCarthy's attorney, Jonathan Shapiro, didn't want the jury to have the opportunity to consider voluntary manslaughter. And I think this was a mistake because he wanted the Commonwealth to have to prove intent. And due to the fact that the coroner had already testified that the baby didn't die by blows to the stomach, Shapiro, the attorney, says, listen, we got a chance at an acquittal here. And I think he was right. Jonathan Shapiro is a good attorney, but I think if McCarthy had a more high-powered defense attorney, he may have beat this case. But... The case goes before the jury. Shapiro does a good job for his client. But don't forget, you've got Rachel Bond on the stand in tears. She's very sympathetic during McCarthy's trial. I know she shouldn't be. But she's crying, and she points the finger directly at Michael McCarthy, saying, I saw you punch my baby in the stomach, and the next day she was dead. So that's all the jury had to hear. It might be all I had to hear. Somebody was going to pay for this crime. And the pictures of Bella were all over the courtroom. And the jurors were going to make sure somebody paid. I think that was a miscalculation on Shapiro's part. He should have allowed the jury to consider the manslaughter charge because they ended up finding McCarthy guilty pretty quickly. And I think if the jury had the option to consider the manslaughter charges, they may have convicted him of that because the Commonwealth certainly couldn't prove intent. And that was the problem with this case. If he had gotten convicted of involuntary manslaughter or straight manslaughter, I think he'd be out of prison by now. But McCarthy was ultimately convicted of second-degree murder. I give kudos to that jury, and he was ultimately sentenced to life with parole. So he's going to be eligible for parole in 2037, 16 years from now. He recently went before the court to get a reduction in sentence saying, it's kind of crazy, the argument they make, that the jury should have been allowed to consider the manslaughter charges. And during this hearing, the judge says to Shapiro, that was your choice. You didn't want the jury to consider the manslaughter charges because you wanted the Commonwealth to have to prove intent. And the judge in open court pointed this out to Shapiro, so... He got hoisted on his own petard, as they say. So Michael McCarthy is now serving his time in Bridgewater. I believe they call it the Old Colony Correction Center or something like that. I hope Mr. McCarthy is getting the treatment that most baby killers get in prison. and I hope he lives a long and healthy life up until the day he's released from prison. And... Rachel Bond, for her part, what she had done, and she allocuted to it in court that she saw Michael punch the baby a couple times, and the next morning the baby was gray and had passed away. She said Michael had forced her to take the baby with him after placing the baby in a duffel bag. She stated that Michael then took the baby to South Boston, and rachel was present tied the baby down with weights in this bag and they set her adrift in south boston and the baby drifted with the current all the way to deer island and if the body didn't get caught up in deer island that would have been out to open ocean and the baby never would have been found i don't know how this woman lived with herself afterward there was some evidence presented during mccarthy's trial that rachel Still sent him love letters like the baby never existed. They were still intimate after that. And it's just sickening. It's like I said before, it's a cornucopia of dysfunction. So Rachel was convicted of accessory after the fact and the larceny for taking the checks. And she served a little bit of time, got out, went into residential rehab, and then was placed on probation She's currently still on probation. She should be for a lifetime, but she was just in the news. I think it was 2019, and naturally, she had tested positive while on probation for drugs. She still can't get out of her own way. So what's the penalty for violating probation for a case where your kid died? Well, they just reprobate you. They basically just say, okay, you need more treatment. We're going to extend your probation. For these people, there's never really any punishment. Jail isn't even punishment. They just want to get high. And they wait till they get out, and they get high again. They ruin their lives. They ruin their kids' lives. Everybody they touch, they ruin. And that's not to say I don't believe in redemption. I've seen people turn their lives around after abusing drugs and alcohol for a lifetime. But I don't know if there's any hope for... Rachel Bond, she must feel tremendous guilt, and she should. And Michael McCarthy, same thing. I just don't think they do. So I just need to inject here. I know we're wrapping up, but the maternal grandmother, Rachel's mother, stated that she didn't even know the baby had been born, and it's been two years. That struck me as odd, but I had just done some further research on it. And the maternal grandmother actually took custody of Rachel's other two kids that DCF took from her. So I can see why Rachel would hide a pregnancy in the baby's life because the mother would probably alert DCF that my dingbat daughter just had another kid and she can't take care of it. I have these other two. So I could see her and McCarthy keeping the baby a secret. But other people knew. The neighbors reported that they heard the baby crying all through the night. There was a sister of Rachel who had to know. Anybody who would see this kid would know. She was a mess, but she was a beautiful little kid. And if the mother had just taken her, I know she didn't know. I think would have a whole different story. But, man, like I said before, it's just a cornucopia of abuse. If you ever want to read more about it, Beverly Beckham of The Globe... Wrote an excellent article on it, and it's called, Did Bella Bond Suffer Every Day? And I'm going to put that in the show notes, but if you Google it, it'll come right up. In terms of changes at DCF, Department of Children and Families, I guess there was one person who was disciplined, a caseworker. Bella's caseworker was caught copying and pasting some documents so she didn't have to go do the visit, and I think she got a letter in her file. This baby ends up dead, and you're cutting and pasting and lying, and you end up with a letter in your employment file. Sorry, guys. This is a tough one for me. I'm going to leave it there, and we'll be on to the next episode for you. Say a prayer for Bella. I know she's in heaven, and she'll smile down upon you. All right, guys. I'll see you on the flip side.